Welcome to episode 27 of All the Small Takes. We're back on a Monday night on the eve of college football season at last. And of course, after weeks of begging for things to happen in the sports world, everything happened in the last week. John Cooper, how are we doing tonight? Reese Hoskins is amazing. I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I'm wearing my Kyrie's, so I'm pretty toasty. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Thank although, you. although we don't know for sure. There's there's a lot of things up in the air right now, and we'll get to that maybe in a second. I don't know what John's doing. I think John might have just left. I muted him. Yeah. That was getting annoying. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about at last. We spent the last four weeks talking about gardening and power washing, and then basically the entire sports world went crazy in the last uh, week. So we're going to jump right into it, but first, social media. You can find us on Twitter, at Small Takes, Instagram, Small underscore Takes, Facebook, All the Small Takes, and Gmail, All the Small Takes, at gmail.com. Check out our website, smalltakes.com. We've got a baseball podcast up there, All the Small Ball. I am on it with my good friends, Danny and Carl. We should have a second episode dropping sometime this week. Look out for that. But we're going to jump right in because so much happened. Uh, we'll start with the sporting event that I know you guys were deeply interested in, McGregor Mayweather. Hold on. Time out. Just like a little bit of podcast etiquette. We don't actually have to cut this. John, did you really just pour water on the podcast? I'm sorry about that. I didn't realize I had unmuted myself. This episode two or episode 27? Like, where are we at right now? <laughs> I'm still on mute. I realize this was That's amateur my... hour. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is John, is John on the hot seat? Maybe. Maybe we'll find out later in the podcast. Maybe we will. Anyway, McGregor Mayweather, did you guys watch? No. It's a rhetorical question. If by watch you mean did I watch Sports Center and have Sports Center kind of tell me what was going on in between segments? Yes. Yeah, I wasn't paying a hundred dollars yeah. to watch that fight. Yeah. Do you know who did watch? A certain yeah, a certain podcast host watch. But mm. disclaimer, I did not pay. I, I, I freeloaded like a good American off of a friend who bought the fight and had like thirty people over. So uh it was actually more entertaining than I thought. It was a lot better. And this is a this has been the prevailing opinion since the fight, but McGregor really held his own. He actually had Floyd on his heels early on, I thought. And Floyd ultimately did what a lot of people thought Floyd would do, which is win. late, getting tired. Yeah. And win. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. It exceeded my expectations. It was a lot better than the Pacquiao and Mayweather fight a couple years ago, which I did pay a lot of money to watch and deeply regretted anyway uh moving on to other things that are probably more relevant to the host of this podcast the Celtics and Cavs made a little trade that you might have heard of uh you might have heard about this past week did you hear about this trade Cooper and John briefly yeah, yeah. so funny story funny story I'm out in the middle of nowhere I have like no cell phone service I get a text from Jeff that was just very ominous and I knew something had just gone down and I was like pulling Bleacher Report up furiously, trying to scroll through notifications. And I like, I plead that you guys tell me what's going on. And neither you did, which was the most annoying thing in the universe. But I'm actually pretty pumped about it. I think the Cavs got a pretty good deal. 
Yeah, my exact text was Cooper. I will buy your Kyrie shoes and jersey for twenty dollars. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That was it. And and I was I broke the news to Cooper. Uh, yeah, follow uh, up, follow up. I'll give you my jersey for free, uh, but it'll be a dress on you. Is that's is fine. it like pending a physical or? <laughs> yeah, the dress is going through a physical. We don't know if it needs surgery or not. And I might have to give you a compensatory draft pick. Maybe maybe yes. one of my Brooklyn picks. Yeah. Maybe one of one your of future seven, Brooklyn picks. One of my seven remaining Brooklyn picks. Uh, no, let's talk really quickly about – so you think it was a win-win. John, what about you as a, as um, a fairly objective uh, observer? I, yeah, I think it's really confusing that of all the teams to send Kyrie to, you send him to the Celtics. Um, it's kind of bizarre. I feel like someone else had to have a better deal on the table or at least like the rumblings of a deal. I like – because – the Cavs, they don't seem like they want um, future assets. They seem like they want things that can work now. Um, and if if you can get some, if you can get two young guys from the Suns that can play now, I would. I think I would take that over a potentially broken Isaiah Thomas. But if you really, really just think that LeBron is going to leave, maybe it makes sense to get all the draft picks you can from the Celtics. To me, it leaves the East kind of in the same position it was in the before, where I'm hoping the Sixers are going to snag a playoff spot well now i'm feeling kind of confident that they can steal steal a playoff spot maybe they can get like a like a seven seed instead of an eight seed but wait so how did a change how did a trade between the top two teams in the east make you feel more confident yeah but it's still just the top two teams so like what's going on with the other remaining teams in the east that the sixers have now bumped up a spot that didn't like you know, the only two teams that were involved in this trade were the Celtics and the Cavs. Well, it's like global, global, you know, ratings. Okay. Then yeah, just out. realignment. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, realignment. Morale amongst mm-hmm. the Bucks, you know, probably going to go down a bit. It's the ripple effect. No, I think yeah. this was a brilliant trade for the Cavs, especially since it was the first move that Kobe Altman had made. Um, brilliant. Brilliant, actually. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. Uh, it allows them to compete now. Isaiah Thomas, I understand, is not on the best of con- – well, I mean, he's on a great contract for this year. The fact that he wants a Supermax next year, not the best of deals. He has a bad hip. He's 29. So I get all those things, that Kyrie, in the, for the future, is the much better player than Isaiah Thomas. But in the immediate now, they are the same exact player. Their defensive rating and their offensive ratings are like essentially the same. You could even argue that maybe Isaiah Thomas is more – likely to pass the ball around and move the ball around than Kyrie is. So that might actually help LeBron out more. It allows the Cavs to compete now. Also, grabbing Jay Crowder was huge um, because it finally gives the Cavs a player to put in either with LeBron or as a backup to LeBron who can guard pretty much every single position on the floor and still shoot threes at 40%. So, I I mean, I think they might even be a better team than they were before the trade. Um, And then secondly, that Brooklyn pick is huge. That was an asset that they were not going to get from any other team. An unprotected uh, first-round pick, which easily could be a top-five pick in a 2018 class that's looking pretty stacked. So here are my thoughts. Um, I was pleased with the trade as a Celtics fan. It sucks to see Isaiah go because he was universally loved in Boston. I agree that it was tough to part with Crowder, that the Celtics are going to miss his length and his defensive uh, athleticism. And the pick was an asset that was valuable and it's tough to see go. But my thoughts are this Kyrie, I think is a more proven commodity than Isaiah and has a higher proven upside than Isaiah. 
and is under, um, to Cooper's point, a friendlier contract. So there's that. The second is that that Brooklyn pick could very well be in the top five, but Brooklyn has, I think, bottomed out. I think I think that's fair to say. I don't know if it's I, – I think they're capable of being not a bottom five pick, I should say, next year. Yeah, Lastly, no, it's possible. Who do you think is going to be – who's going to be worse than Brooklyn? Like the Kings, maybe. The, I mean, this, I feel like the Suns have too much talent. Hold the on. Knicks could be really bad. All right, but so you people, have people, the people, Magic, people the right Knicks, here. the Bulls. Magic, the Bulls are going to be like – the Bulls suck. Yeah. Um, the Sixers are one. Those are your Eastern Conference teams. The Western Conference teams would be the Suns, the Lakers, and the Kings. Yep. And maybe the Mavs as well with an aging Dirk Nowitzki, and that's pretty much it. Basically nothing else. Yeah. And Nerlens Noel. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. The Sixers are not going to be one of the four worst teams next year. No, I'm just saying that there are teams to consider that are maybe blue, maybe worse than the Nets. I know, but what's the argument that the, the Nets like? What do the Nets have that has made them so much better than the Sixers at this point? Nothing. But there is this argument that there are at least like eight teams that we can talk about as being absolutely like not good. That mm-hmm. there's at least a chance that the Brooklyn Nets do not fall in the bottom five. Yeah, agreed. I think it's a really bizarre argument, and I think it's. Founded in a Boston fantasy land, but whatever. <laughs> um, lastly, the Celtics needed to start doing something with the assets they've accumulated. They had, they've had these picks for years from this heist they pulled off of the Brooklyn Nets, and they have the Lakers pick potentially. I know John's going to hold me to this that the the Sixers could sweep in there, but they've they do have future fix, future picks, but they had to do something to leverage their assets, and this was the time to do it when you just went out and you signed a key piece in Gordon Hayward. Your alternative at point guard, Isaiah Thomas, has a serious history of injuries, has a concerning injury now, and is about to demand a Supermax contract. And you can go out and land one of, I would say, the best five individual one-on-one scorers in the game right now. So I'm happy with it. I am so pumped for next year. Those Cavs-Celtics games, opening night, in Cleveland, the first time that LeBron and Kyrie get like switched onto each other in a one-on-one like pick and roll is gonna be like must-watch. And then no, they'll just hug it out. I mean the yeah yeah. <laughs> so Jeff, do you, do you do you think this is better? Because this is the the end of the Celtics' attempt to upgrade their roster this offseason. That saw saw them try to take passes on Jimmy Butler and Paul George and Gordon Hayward and that and now Kyrie Irving. So you, you think this is a good deal in this sort of spectrum of potential trades where they failed twice, almost failed a third time, and have swapped their best player from last year for the second best player on the Eastern Conference champions? I do, because they got rid of a big question mark in Isaiah Thomas in terms of both health and contract. They got a guy to fit his exact to fill his exact position playoff uh, scorer and a guy who's shown up in the big games. Whereas I'm not saying Isaiah has it, but like you look at a guy like Jimmy Butler who doesn't have that experience, not saying Jimmy anything against Jimmy Butler, but I think it was the right move to go get uh, a guy like Kyrie Irving and really complete your team to make this core ready for a run. Uh, yeah, me. I just want to throw out this idea that the Celtics have, I think, are returning four players from last year's roster. Um, That's a, yeah. They've turned over all of their emotional like leaders on that team and grabbed a Morris brother to replace all those guys. 
So they no longer have their, you know, their big, tall centers and power forwards who can shoot from all over the place. And, I mean, I never liked Trebko and Olenek, but they were emotional players who gave a lot for the Celtics. Isaiah Thomas was the emotional leader of that team. They got rid of Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley. I think the Celtics in the immediate future are worse off than they were a year ago. They got rid of a lot of their bench players. Their best productive bench players now are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And what Marcus can we Smart. really – get Marcus Smart. Oh, I was getting to Marcus Smart. So what can we expect of those two? And then this is now my favorite thing is that the Cavs might threaten to avoid this trade and how dope is it going to be if the Cavs can somehow be like, well, maybe I'll only accept this trade if you throw in a 2019 first-round pick or Marcus Smart, which I think would be kind of more devastating um, to the Celtics because the Cavs might actually want a point guard from the Celtics since Isaiah Thomas is walking with half a hip. Yeah, that, that – you. We didn't bring that up, at least not explicitly, but this trade has not gone through yet. And knowing the history of this podcast and making predictions, I hate that we even brought this up. So we but should you know avoid the right. whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this con- this conversation was voided. I will send Cooper a player to be named later and a 2020 draft pick that we probably still have from the desk. <laughs> Let's move on to a couple more quick notes from the past week. Like I said, a lot of things happened. Deshaun Kaiser. John. Deshaun Kaiser is officially QB1 for the Cleveland Browns. And I, I guess maybe we should start with Cooper, actually, because if you listen to yeah. last week's podcast, we were fed some fake news from our good friend Cooper that Brock Osweiler was the starter for the Cleveland Browns. Cooper, your comment. Yeah, uh, unlike Stephen A. Smith, my insider sources are not as reliable. Uh, no, so, I mean, I obviously read a report uh, that said Osweiler had a stranglehold on the position. Um, you know, but since since we're in the business, I'm not going to throw that person under under the bus, and I'll just I'll take this one for the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we called you out for the fake news at the time, Cooper, and you just you persisted. But uh, I'm glad the truth that uh, we've finally seen the uh, the truth come out, and uh, you know, reality win once more, and objective reality at that and that's just some subjective opinion of a situation uh, but it's so. crazy that deshaun kaiser won this job and i don't fully understand how brock osweiler osweiler is not good at being a quarterback because he is like the prototypical perfect like human being specimen to no, play quarterback and he still is awful he's too tall to play there, quarterback. that's not a thing john the taller you are okay. the easier it is to see over your is, offensive line and throw downwards instead of like drew Brees, where he has to like be on his tippy toes over the Except pocket for, to try and find wide receivers drew Brees throws arcs that can land in his receiver's hands apparently brock Iswe- brock osweiler just throws like rockets that go directly into defenders so well, yeah i think that last part is probably the more important one that they Head toward defenders instead. I think it, I think it's clear that if you're how, how tall is he? Like six ten. He's six eight. That that yeah that six ten. Six eight. I think six eight is probably the cutoff for quarterbacks at this point. I think we should just six seven according to Wikipedia. Six seven. There we're, we go. We're getting six, off seven, the point. Yeah. We're getting mm-hmm. off the point, John. You have been high on Deshaun Kaiser. If we go back to our mock draft, actually, you wanted him to be one of the top. You wanted him to be picked first overall. Yeah, I did. I, I had think? him picked first overall. This is a little bit of indication for you. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Let's 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 do a win total prediction for Deshaun Kaiser in his rookie season. Okay. And I want your earnest opinion here, not your Homer opinion. Yeah. Um, 
Give me a second. Uh, so he is playing for the Browns, and as we said, um, the Browns are not the Browns, but still the Browns. Um, so they're not going to win the AFC North, as bad as I may have gone on record saying the AFC North is. Um, so that now, now you don't need to win like 12 games to win the AFC North, but you probably do need to win at least eight. Uh, let's see. They don't play any easy teams this year. Wow. Okay, so they play the Jaguars in week 11, and they might win that game. And they, Oh, no, never mind. They play the Bears, so they're going to definitely beat the Bears in week 16. And then maybe they'll beat so the Chargers. Two games. Oh, no, and the Jets. Sorry about that. So we're oh, looking at, okay. I think, five games. Five games. Five games. All right, so here's my analysis on this. Um, it might yeah. be a little bit more concrete than what John had to offer. So I think the Browns are definitely not the Browns. Um, they're a better team. Their defense is actually pretty good. They have like kind of secretly and very quietly assembled probably one of you know a top five offensive lines in the country, which is something that rookie quarterbacks typically don't have. Um, so I think Sean Kaiser has a chance to actually uh, develop this year and be pretty good. I will say the one thing kind of uh, preventing him from – doing that is Hugh Jackson. So I think a big difference between a rookie quarterback like Dak Prescott, you know, who had a head coach as Jason Garrett is Jason Garrett had, I think more job security than Hugh Jackson does. Uh, Hugh Jackson, I think wants to win more. And I think instead of kind of developing an offense that allows the Sean Kaiser to succeed, throw simple passes um, and kind of things like, like Hugh Jackson just doesn't have that, you know, ability, that option. Um, I think the Browns are a better team. I think they get to six wins, but I don't know. I think I can see Deshaun Kaiser struggling a little bit here. Yeah, I, th I think the real question is, are the Browns going to do what Jason Garrett and the Cowboys did and protect Dak Prescott for like the first half or three quarters of the season, calling like a really conservative game where you're throwing a lot of close balls, balls running close the ball a lot. and running the ball a lot, which they could do because they yeah. have the offensive line. Wells is a good running back too. Yeah, not and they're running back, and they're not they're not playing in a in a division that's full of offensive, you know, fireworks. Um, so they could do that, or they could do what the Browns have always done, and pretend that their starting quarterback, no matter who it is, is a five year veteran who's you know seen a lot and can do whatever on earth you ask him to do. Um, so I don't know. I I have from what everyone says, Hugh Jackson is a player's coach, and it makes sense that he would at least invest a little bit of time in um, Deshaun Kaiser and perhaps in structuring a game plan, a game plan to make Deshaun Kaiser, not a liability, but you know, an asset to the offense, maybe not the superstar, but I don't know. It, it shouldn't be that hard for them to win games against the Ravens and maybe the Bengals this year. The Steelers are going to be a tough out, but to at least game plan and not get blown out and at least make Kaiser look like he kind of belongs in the NFL. It shouldn't be that hard. Well, we will have we'll have to wait and see, but I, I I knew that would be vindicating for John, as yes. uh, a long time Deshaun Kaiser apologist. So, with that being said, we are going to kick it now to our interview we did with our good friend, longtime loyal Small Takes listener and the resident fiance of the podcast, Caitlin. So here is the interview. All right, we welcome on 
the OG Small Takes listener, one of our most dear fans, and our good friend, and John's soon-to-be wife, Caitlin. Oh. Doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh, a little intimidated and nervous to be representing the female gender here tonight, um, so take it on me, on me. Nope. I don't think you have anything to worry about since you've listened to so many of the podcasts. Um, you should mm-hmm. know that we're, we have no intimidation whatsoever. We believe in equality. So anyway, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time. We're going to talk because it's almost college football season. We know yeah. you're excited. You know we're all very excited. And so we're going to talk about the last conference we have to do our preview for. That's the ACC. And then we're going to do a fire four that we'll keep shrouded in mystery for now we'll leave you waiting in suspense but we have our acc superlatives and we're gonna go through these kind of quickly but we're gonna put you on the spot a little bit you, you think you're ready not at all let's go for it that's all right same, same here <laughs> uh let's start with the we'll start with an easy one we'll start with a team that could be in the acc but we're really not sure oh okay Caitlin. so so John and I were prepping for this as I was driving home today. You, you can't tell them that. <laughs> John. <laughs> well, it was just it was just which teams are actually in the ACC. Okay. Like did you did you throw this like a softball for me because we talked about it? I just ruined that. I think I think no, yeah, I, I think John just got revealed as a as doing some insider trading. I was colluding with you, yeah. Colluding. Yeah, let's see if I can remember the ones that we were weirded out about. Um, who was it? It's just really any team. Is it, okay, so like Louisville is like new, right? So people are kind of saying. Yeah, yeah, Louisville's yeah. fairly new. Louisville's a good one. Final answer? Yeah, we'll go with Louisville. All right, Louisville. That's, that's a good one. That's a solid pick. You're off to a hot start. Hot start. Let's go to Cooper. Uh, Pittsburgh, they are no longer good at any sport. So I think they kind of like fly under the radar a little bit. It's been at least like 50 years since they've been good at football. Except that one time they beat Notre Dame. Or a couple times they beat Notre Dame. Anyways, yeah, Pittsburgh. Sometimes forget about them. Well, I was going to do Pittsburgh, but I'll go with Maryland instead. Um, because... <laughs> Wait, are there... <laughs> Maryland is... I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. Are they in the Big Ten? They're in the yeah, Big Ten, in the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You could have one hundred and ten percent convinced me they were in the ACC. I know, yeah, they were in the ACC. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go with the Terrapins. Okay, that's a very good one. Uh, what is Forest. a Terrapin? That's a great question. It's a turtle, it's a turtle a fighting right? turtle of some sort. A, a a Terrapin is a small edible turtle with lozenge-shaped markings on its shell, found in the coastal marshes of the eastern U.S. All right, then. That was our mascot definition of the week. Yep. Which is quickly becoming a recurring segment. <laughs> Always educational. Yeah. Mine is the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Are we sure they're in the ACC? Are yeah. We sure? yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. They're really good at soccer. They... And the ACC is also really good at soccer. And so that's how I know they're in the ACC. And Chris Paul, I think, played there. Once. Yeah, Chris Paul did play there. Point Guard University. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan. Oh, Tim too. Duncan, you're right. People forget. All right. <laughs> Well, this was educational all around. That was, I feel like we're off to a good start. Let's do the next one. We're going to do the coach from the ACC that has the most country-sounding name. Ooh. Wait, I actually know this. I'm guessing myself. 
Are you going to make me go first again before I can do some research? Yes. These are the rules. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher. Ooh, good one. Jimbo is like very much, and I could say this because I was born in Mississippi, a nice Southern name. Yeah, that's a solid pick. Can't go wrong there. John, what, what say you? I think it's a tie between. You can't take Eli. two coaches. Guy, you're going to take yeah, two I can't. coaches. I'm going to take two. Oh my gosh. Two coaches. Eli Drinkwitz and David Huxtable. Are those real names? Yes, they are the coordinators for the North Carolina State Wolfpack. How deep into like the ACC coaching game is your knowledge? Well, Jeff, I've got a Wikipedia page open that has a list of every coach in college football on it. So, <laughs> so you've been exposed, one, for colluding with your fiancé, and now two, for, <laughs> for cheating on that air. Really a, What's two the like, strike? Like, yeah, three strikes. That's, that's, two, that's two strikes. Three strikes, and I permanently take over John's position on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> All in favor, say aye. 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 Hi. That's it. There we go. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Kayla is texting me actively soliciting answers for all of these questions. I don't know. We'll have to see the emails. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Where are the emails? All right. Uh, Cooper, what about you? Hmm. What's the question again? Can you repeat the question? Uh, team? No, never mind. <laughs> With the most country sounding name of the ACC. Oh, okay, cool. As long as we're not, oh, I was gonna say Bob Huggins, and then I keep on forgetting that Western Virginia isn't the Big Twelve, because that makes a ton of sense. Um, Frank Beamer, no longer coaches at Virginia Tech, but that's just—he's an all-time legend, and that name is super country. Any, anybody named Frank—that's that's a pretty country name. It, it exudes country. Um, Dabo Swinney—that that feels like a feels like the number two pick behind Jimbo was Dabo. Anything that ends in an O also automatically country. Like. Dino Babers, the head coach of the Syracuse Orange. Exactly. John, you should tell him. You should tell him what the ballot was in uh, the mayoral elec- election uh, in Biloxi. What were the names? Oh, you mean like uh, Fofo Gillich, the mayor of Caitlin's hometown? That is not a real name. Wait, but who were the other names, John? Uh, we also had like Sugar Newman and like Dixie something something. Uh, they were both women. This is this is real life. Southern Mississippi. Uh, you should come down sometime. That's perfect. Maybe around the new year. Hmm. hmm. We'll see about that. Nah, I'm busy. All right. Yeah, Next I have, question. I have plans. Uh, is let's do the Heisman question. So, is the Heisman going to be is Heisman more likely to be an ACC player or the field? So, someone from not the ACC, Caitlin. Hmm. Well, I like this question because I only have two options. Less stressful. I'm going to say the field. Cooper's applauding. Cooper, we'll, we'll go to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty strongly opinionated that I think it's the field. Um, there are just too many candidates outside the ACC. Your best two candidates are Lamar, ja- Lamar Jackson and uh, DeAndre Francois. Lamar Jackson's not winning the Heisman two years in a row because uh, only an Ohio State Buckeye can do that. And... Um, there are just too many strong candidates outside of the ACC. I think Sam Darnold's your leading candidate. You still have Saquon Barkley, Baker Mayfield, JT Barrett. There are just too many candidates outside the ACC, so I think it has to – it's probably the field. You uh, omitted Josh Adams. I just want to point that out. Oh, yeah, sorry. And our high pick, Josh Adams. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking out for you, John. What about you? What do you think? Yeah. 
Well, obviously, I'm going to take the field because I think the three best Heisman Trophy candidates are – oh, actually, give me a second. Five best Heisman Trophy candidates. They all, all play, play for Notre Dame. All play for Notre Dame. Wow. Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, Josh Adams, Brandon Wimbrush, and Equinamius St. Brown. Wow. Uh, offensive lineman mm-hmm. in your Heisman list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only one offensive lineman's ever won the award, and he came from Notre Dame. So check your privilege. Equinamius St. Brown might win the Heisman of college football names. Yes, yeah. no, Equinamius well, definitely has the name true. recognition. For sure, check His younger brother is named Osiris, and his yes. youngest brother is named Amon Ra. Yeah. So, so do you think that was like yeah. a power move by his parents? So that way, like, they could be household names? Well, his, like, dad is, that far? his dad's a former Mr. Universe, and his mother is a German ambassador. So... Wow. They're like yeah, uh, but I think I think I think they were predestining their children for greatness. Oh, I think they were. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Also, Cam Cam Akers from Florida State, early early Heisman uh, watch. Keep an eye on him. Cooper's breathing heavily into the mic. I don't even know who that is. I have no clue. I have no clue who that is. It's a freshman he's a, he's a running back, back who plays for Florida State. It's ridiculous. He's not winning the Heisman. Because freshmen never won the Heisman. All right. Uh... I guess I'll take the field here too. I thought this was going to be more compelling than it ended up being, but and as good of a year as I think Lamar Jackson is capable of having, I think it's far more likely to come from one of those other guys that he listed. And Sam Darnold seems to be the sexy pick. I I think Sam Darnold has reached getting worried levels of hype. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if he throws he, one interception, he's not going to win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. The bar has been set or entirely too high. Three incompletions that game, Sam. Why did you do that? Yeah, uh, no more high You two are part of that hype train. I just want to point it out. I tried I know, to take it down. Tommy Reese. I feel like we were early to the hype train, though. Just I want to throw that out there. He's had a profile in like every major sporting publication in the last month. Like SI, Bleacher Report, and ESPN have all done like full, well, full profiles. So you heard it here first. Yeah, we reported first on small takes. Sam Darnold as a as a Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. All right. And now we're Let's now do... we're recording first that there's no chance he's gonna win the Heisman. Just so I, right. just so we can keep all that. Uh who is the best Carolina? Oh man. Um the Tar Heels. Ooh. Okay. That was a I like the color a lot, mm. actually. I think it's a nice shade of blue. That's acceptable. John, what about you? Um, I'm going to say Sweet Caroline is the best Carolina. Wrong. That is patently wrong. This is such a silly question. Such a silly question. Clemson is the best Carolina team. It's just like, what does this question mean? I'm done with it. I'm annoyed you didn't answer my, ask my question. Um, we can ask your, we can so get to your question I'm, if I'm you want. I'm pretty bitter. I'm pretty bitter. Okay, Jeff, Hold why on. don't you just answer Cooper's question since you haven't answered this one yet? Okay. You're still Cooper, what is your, on the question answer. Cooper, well, uh, Cooper, what is your question? <clears throat> Player in the ACC most likely to rob Publix. <laughs> just, just give me what? any Florida State player's name. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, hot take. Hot take. Shots fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots I'm fired. Not I'm, a big, I'm not a big soon, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a little recency um, bias, Caitlin. I don't know. Can I can I just say DeAndre Francois following the footsteps of greatness? Mm-hmm. Sure. True leader. True leader. Yeah, that's that's what true, that's mean, what true, if, true leader does. 
I mean, all Jameis ever did was win football games and, you know, eat crab legs. So, you know. That's a legacy. That is a legacy. If robbing Publix can be uh, a fake class at UNC, then I'll I'll take UNC any day. (laughs) Uh, I I actually think it's a minor. That's what I hear. It's a minor? You can can minor Publix burglaries. (laughs) I heard it's one of those classes you don't have to show up for, though. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's all online. <laughs> yeah, it's all online. It's a uh, community-based course. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Enough. yeah, that's enough on the ACC. All right, do we have do we have any other superlatives? No, no I think we should probably just leave the ACC alone for a little bit. I think we should too. <laughs> I think I think as you can probably tell by listening, we're just ready for college football, so we can actually talk about games instead of these asinine predictions. So, in the spirit of college football, in the spirit of the season beginning this weekend, we are going to do with our good friend Caitlin here the fire four things to do at tailgates. This is intentionally open ended, so this can include foods to eat. This can include games to play. This can include music to listen to it's uh it's a it's really a, a sandbox so i like it caitlin in small takes tradition the floor is yours we did not prepare you for this so what is your yeah. fire four of things to do at tailgates you want me to give all four yes, yes. okay we'll, we'll weigh in well, we'll, we'll, I could just unless i interrupt you, you i could just give you like four foods that i love that's perfect yeah but i think i'll, I'll lump that into one category which is food. Eat food is the number one most important thing to do at a tailgate. For many reasons. Health reasons. Delicious reasons. Um, you gotta get those cancer I'm partial, sticks on, I'm partial to like bean dips. I always think that that's really like pulling out the stops and you get like the seven layer bean dips at a tailgate. Mm-hmm. If it's been it's sitting out in the sun um, for like six hours and it's nice and frothy. Mm-hmm. But six mm-hmm. layers off, eight layers too many, seven layers perfect. All right. Yeah. Keep going. And let's see. Oh, I also really love like when they do mini sandwiches with like Hawaiian rolls. I think that that's a <sighs> pro move. King Hawaiian rolls. Yes. King's Hawaiian yes. rolls are the goat. The best. If I could only eat King's Hawaiian rolls, I'd do it. Man does not live You're on bread alone, me. but I mean, King's Hawaiian rolls aren't really bread, are they? <laughs> All right, oh, that was a great number one. Continue. Okay. All right, let's see. Number two would be, and this is, you know, in honor of John. I think I have to do this. And his siblings and friends and all of those people. You have to listen to or hear the band perform. Which band? On game day. Obviously the greatest of all universities. Oh, bands. the Ohio State University band. bands. Okay. Get out. Okay. Cooper, get off. <laughs> no, That'll there's be... only one right answer to that. Yeah. The oldest John's in the best. Marching band. The band of the Fighting Irish. Okay. Go Irish. But, band. yeah, but, I, I mean, I was, like, raised on Notre Dame football, obviously, and pictures of me in the little, like, cheerleading outfit from a young age. So I don't really know, like, the game day experience of anything else besides Notre Dame in general. But I feel like it's got to be, like, up there with the band and the – the hype, the like mystique of campus and the changing of colors. So you just have to see the band, see the band play. Caitlin, there's no no re- no need to apologize for only knowing Notre Dame. I mean, it's it's the best. There's absolutely no reason to even go to any other tailgates or anything. Yeah. You know? The most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. 
gosh. Yeah. That's such an amazing movie. And, okay. All right, number three. Sticking with like a Notre Dame sort of specific theme, I would have to say go to the grotto, say a prayer for your team to win. Even if you're not in Notre Dame, you know, stick in Still a make the trek up to South Bend yes. and pray for your football team. Yes. Exactly. That's why I use so bad at football. No one drives up to the grotto on game day. That's probably it. That's it. All right. And you're number four. Number four. Okay. So, hmm. I don't, hmm. I'm going to skip um, any sort of beverage situation for sake of, you know, keeping this uh, a nice podcast here. So we'll go to uh, tailgate games. And I would have to say cornhole is a classic, great game. Also, I'm, I'm the product of my parents are um, cornhole like champions. They've won, you know, 4th of July tournaments. Scary. Like, they're very good. So it's a lot of fun when you get the, the Kennedy family cornhole going. That was a solid four. That was a very solid Thank four. Thank you. We put, you on the, we put you on the spot, and, and you delivered. Kudos to Caitlin. Thank you. I'm, you know, I may not know a lot about players' names or coaches, but game day. Game day. I, I'll, I'm going to toss a challenge out there to the Kennedys, though. You don't, come at me at cornhole anytime. Anytime. You name, know Name you time and place. My, my dad will take you up on that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe sometime soon. Who knows? Uh, let's do John. John, do your fire four. Let's let's kind of rattle through these fairly quickly. Okay. Yeah. So fire four things to do at tailgate. Uh, number one, don't go to the tailgates. Uh, number two, go to uh, stay on campus and follow the marching band around literally all day. Uh, number three, eat as much grilled meat as you can possibly hold uh, from various and sundry purveyors of grilled meat on campus. Um, Number four, get to the game early, stay in your seat for the entire game, stand for as long as you can, and um, then you can go tailgate after the game's over. Um, and that's the proper time to tailgate. That was, that was only three. No, that was four. I that said, four. don't go to the tailgate. Call the band out all day. Uh, Eat as much wow. goat meat as you can. Stand for the whole game. Tailgate when the game is done. Okay. Some of those blended together. I apologize. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was a little confusing. It's okay. Cooper, what about you? All right, so I'm going to go backwards. Four, watching warm-ups. John kind of hit on this. I think it's super important. Uh, three, sitting in lawn chairs, watching football on small TVs, not being able to actually hear the football games that you are watching, uh, typically in horrendous weather environments. Either it's way too hot or way too cold. Um, and all the time while you're doing this, you know that you could have actually just been watching those football games inside. Uh, two, tossing the football with – kids who are like 10 years younger than you because you like make their day and you feel like you just you scored game winning touchdowns suck. like <laughs> in front of 80,000 people because they'd love it. Number one, uh, walking around tailgates endlessly begging for food and never actually getting so, it. You legit took three of mine. I know. Well, that's because we did most of those things together. We did. We did. Yeah, Cooper and I got the worst advice possible fresh as freshmen. We were told if you just walk around the yeah, parking lot, people yeah, will just invite walk you around. in. Someone like, will give you food. You're a Notre Dame student. <laughs> just walk around. They'll invite you in. No, I think we walked like three miles lies. that day. Just nothing. Total lies. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to audible quickly here, but I think I can do it. I'm a fly. Uh, number four is just sitting down in general. So not necessarily in a lawn chair if you find a cooler. Um you put multiple people in a lawn chair, whatever you need to do. Sitting down is, is an A-plus move at a tailgate. Not putting on sunscreen is also a great move. 
especially these early season games, just just thinking that hey, if I like move into the shade for like thirty it'll seconds and back out for ten minutes, it'll go away. Yeah. Well, and it turns into a tan afterwards, so you're prepared for every tailgate after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Fake news. It's called, that, it's called uh, establishing oh, a thing. No, that's that's science. All right, next. Yeah. Number two is tossing any kind of uh, like item, whether that's a frisbee, a football, baseball. You can't really go wrong. Um, and number one is eating. I, I'm gonna stay generic on this, but constantly eating all day and tricking yourself into thinking that it's like you haven't had like six meals worth of calories over the course of six hours. Yes. And yeah, somehow like, you're of- still yeah. you're still starving in like the fourth quarter. Hot dog. Oh, I could do like this this desserts at a tailgate. Desserts yes. go like are empty calories in my mind when I'm at a tailgate. Like those don't count at all. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> yep. So that was the fire four of tailgates. I thought that was pretty good. I thought I thought we all uh, Caitlin stepped up on, on in a big moment. I thought my was cold off the bench. Yeah, Caitlin. So this is this is a tradition now. Caitlin, excluding yourself, who had the best fire for? Oh man. Hmm. See, I feel like John wants me to say him, but I'm gonna have to go with Jeff because it included food, and I appreciated that. I'm never. And Coop- Cooper, I'm yours was so negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never yeah, both go. Cooper and John. Both Cooper and John did like the anti tailgate. Yeah. See, no, Jeff. this is literally almost every game day of my life has been that. Mm-hmm. You haven't lived. So. And, it's been, and they've been wonderful. They've been wonderful. Yeah. You guys are gonna Cooper, have to like baptize tailgating. I'm baptizing both of them this weekend, that which is a good segue. Cooper, John, and I will be at the Notre Dame home opener this weekend in South Bend against Temple. We're gonna do some tailgating. We're gonna watch some Notre Dame football. John might cry. I might. I'll probably we, uh, I'm we will have we will have a rep- we'll be able to report back to you all next week. Are we, hopefully with good news. Are we gonna get media credentials? <laughs> yeah, can we get small takes media credentials to the uh, to the Nerd and Temple game, Cooper? What do you think? Uh, yeah, in the works. All right, Cooper's our Cooper's our campus uh, contact. He's working with Jack Swarbrick. He's working on it. Jackie Swarbs. Yep. Anyway, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having this was really me. Fun. We hope you had fun. Yes, it was great. I hope I didn't let down all the females of the world. Um, hopefully, you know, this can begin a new era of uh, women on all the small takes. You broke a glass ceiling, Caitlin. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Just uh, doing my job. And hopefully yep. you guys can take care of John this weekend and uh, have a good time. And my dad. CK, CK is the one you got to You got to Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do our best. All right. Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks, Caitlin. Guys. <laughs> what we do? <laughs> That's we actually worse. won't cut that. That's not oh, the worst okay. thing on, on, on the podcast. That's that's not it. It was like four weeks ago <laughs> when he used the podcast to like get himself out Pander. of the doghouse, and now he mm-hmm. taught himself. But you know, he yeah. actually wasn't in the doghouse. Like, I wasn't. I haven't been. Well, he must have been. Obnoxious. He must have been. Lovingly no. obnoxious. Obnoxious. Total, total gratuity. That was a great interview with Caitlin. We want to thank her once again for joining us, for putting up with us, and for being such a loyal listener. She actually does listen every week, and we greatly appreciate that. Joe with our waste of data, and we'll start with Cooper. Oh, sweet. 
Love that you start with me as I'm looking up Wasted Data. All right. Uh, anyways, Wasted Data, uh, Stephen A. Smith, who second match on this podcast. That has to be bad luck. Um, Stephen A. Smith called out Vontez Perfect for his recent five-game suspension. Okay, never mind. There's no way I defend Vontez Perfect on the suspension. It was deserving. But I will say that it's impossible to disassociate uh, this suspension with how the NFL – views the Bengals and how the NFL media views the Bengals. And I think the NFL has found that it is very easy to uh, suspend the Bengals and almost promote that storyline. And pretty much everyone in the nation kind of latches onto it, Um, which I think they do on purpose. Uh, So yeah, calling out Stephen A. Smith a little bit uh, for kind of going with the flow, going with the rest of the NFL media and latching onto this kind of ridiculous storyline and stereotype that keeps on getting perpetuated Stephen a smith is like an evergreen answer to waste of data like mm-hmm. i if you're not prepared just throw him or skip out there and that's what happened immediate points yeah yeah john what about you um so i wanted to think about a way to work in arsenal um because this past weekend was just gosh. horrific being an arsenal fan it was oh terrible my gosh arson so that, needs to be fired can you probably does the uninitiated what happened we lost four nothing to Liverpool, um, and it could have been like ten nothing. It was it really off. Oh, Liverpool my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, team. Team, um, the Boston owned EPL team. Uh huh. I think it's a. Uh, it's it's definitely at this point. I don't think inaccurate to say that the U.S. men's national team could give Arsenal a run for their money. Um, but I think I I, I want to be positive, and I just want to uh, shout out Major League Baseball Twitter and in particular Phillies Twitter for doing National Dog Day incredibly well. There's this uh, particularly beautiful picture of a of a chocolate lab um, that I'll, I'll send to you guys. Oh, this is great podcasting, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Everyone should go look and check out the Phillies Twitter and see this chocolate Labrador. It's it's beautiful and really cute. Um, reminds me of my dog Jules. Uh, I'm going to retweet it from my account, and I'll tweet it from the, uh, the Altspaltics account. But, um, yeah. Oh, I just tweeted it just now. So there we All go. right. Hold on. Breaking news. Check out John's Twitter account. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That thing is so cute. Okay, it is, is isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is the most it, embarrassing thing I've said on the podcast, but whatever. Who is who you like more, that dog or Rice Hoskins? Uh, Reese Hoskins is amazing, yeah. and I think maybe I still haven't seen a picture of Reese Hoskins yet because um, Phillies games aren't televised anywhere near where I live. But I feel like this dog could be Reese Hoskins, from what I've heard. It's, he's just that amazing, and this dog is just that amazing. Yeah, Reese Hoskins is actually amazing. Twelve home runs. He also started a triple play from the outfield. So yeah, the lone bright spot in what's been a pretty rough year for the Phillies. I'm going to stay in the realm of baseball as I want to do. And I'm actually going to stay positive as well. This past weekend was players weekend. And I thought major league baseball did an awesome job of promoting all of uh, the nicknames and the uh, personalities of some of its players. You got to see sides of guys through their nicknames and through getting to wear cleats and use bats and uh, do other things that were, are not usually seen on a baseball field. And it's, a small step towards where baseball needs to be in terms of appealing to the younger generation. We talked at length about this on the uh, small ball podcast, so you can check that out. Shameless plug, but I might also spin this as a waste of data negative because the Red Sox got swept during players weekend. So 
Two yeah, sides I to every coin. I had no idea player. Players Weekend was going on. So they did a great 100%. job marketing that. I, did, I said it was a baby step. It's a step in the right direction. Okay. Uh, you need to get, you need to get, we need to get you plugged into baseball Twitter. John's plugged into baseball Twitter. We'll, we'll work on you. Yeah, I'll work on it. Okay. And, and that's the show for the week. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks again to Caitlin for joining us. If you have thoughts on this show or any other show before it, you can leave a review on iTunes. You can check us out on social media. We will be, as we mentioned earlier, the three of us. We're going to the Notre Dame game this weekend. We also have IU versus Ohio State on Thursday night. A little, little rivalry. Maybe we'll tweet out some uh, some stakes to that. We'll see if we can think of some, some kind of bet to incorporate into the game. Keep your eyes posted for that. Go Irish. Go Red Sox. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Don't.